0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome to ModPath Chat, the official podcast of Modern Pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Neto is the Editor-in-Chief of Modern Pathology and the Chair of Pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Neto.
2: Welcome to another exciting episode of ModPass Chat. I'm happy to host today Dr. Carolina Gomez, Associate Professor of Pathology at the Federal University of Minas Gerais in Brazil. Um, For those of you who don't know, this is where I was born, and I am a Brazilian citizen, but uh, unfortunately I don't speak Portuguese very well. I left when I was a child. Dr. Gomez is an oral pathologist with expertise in molecular pathology uh, of uh, odontogenic tumors. We will be discussing with her, uh, her team recent publications uh, on adenoid amyloblastoma that came out in modern pathology. Thank you, Carolina, for accepting my invitation.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Neto, it's a great pleasure. To be here with
2: you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, let's let's start uh, with, uh, and I realize there is a little bit delay uh, due to uh, internet, and uh, so uh, we'll, we'll make sure we don't talk over each other and, and uh, try to raise your voice as much as possible. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with uh, the uh, entity. It's I realize the rare entity. Uh, I've seen it once or twice. Hopefully, I diagnosed it correctly. So can you share with our audience uh, how to diagnose? What is this entity? How to diagnose it correctly?
0: So adenoid ameloblastomas, they are extremely rare. And up to now, there are approximately 40 cases reported in the literature. Mm-hmm. Um, this tumor uh, was previously considered um, variant of amyloblastomas because it shares uh, microscopic similarities as well as um, some clinical features. Uh, In these reported cases in the literature, there is a high recurrence rate, uh, approximately um, 70% of the cases recurred after nucleation, uh, which is similar to amyloblastomas. and only now, in the 2022 um, head and neck class, uh, classification of the head and neck tumors, um, the World Health Organization recognizes this tumor as a separate entity. Um, also, um, in this new classification of head and neck tumors, they um, listed uh, features that are um, essential for the diagnosis of adenoid ameloblastomas. And those include um, the presence of um, ameloblastic or ameloblastoma like features, uh, a cribriform architecture, the presence of morules of uh, cells, um, and also the presence of duct like uh, structures. These are the essential diagnostic criteria. Um, um, they further included um, features that are desirable for the diagnosis, mm-hmm. and among these are the presence of dentinoid material and the deposition of dentinoid um, material, and the presence of um, clear cells and also gold cell keratinization.
2: Excellent. Well, just, just by this description, one can imagine how it looks like. And, uh, and, and so in the WHO is no longer a subtype. It's, it's a, an entity on its own. It yes. has a chapter on its own. That's great. Yes,
0: now it's considered a, a new entity. Yes.
2: Excellent. So I, I imagine that was a drive for you to do this study is that there wasn't much molecular known on this before your paper, and, and you want to see does it really share molecular features with ameloblastoma or not. So uh, tell us what is the, tell us a little bit about the cohort and what technology you
0: used. Yes. So um, in a previous um, study, uh, we investigated the presence of the BREF V600E mutation because these are markers for ameloblastomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also um, the presence of duct-like structures are is a um, histological feature that uh, can be similar to adenomatoid odontogenic tumors. And those are characterized by kras um, CODON-12 mutations. So in a previous cohort, we investigated investigated BREF and KRAS mutations and showed that the adenoid ameloblastoma samples are Y-type right for these mutations, but we just showed that they are different somehow, but we could not um, show that and there are genetic features that are characteristic of adenoid ameloblastomas. Uh, So as I mentioned previously, there is the presence of um, ghost cells. There is a a microscopic feature that I shared with other entities uh, characterized by uh, beta-catenin mutations, including not only other dontogenic tumors, but also uh, pylometricomas, and chronopharyngomas. Mm-hmm. So we went for it. We decided oh. to investigate if um, beta catenin mutations would be the underlying um, cause for these tumors. That so, is... uh,
2: Sorry, go ahead.
0: So um, we had some samples here. We had some tumors here in Brazil at Universidade Federal de Minas Gerais, but uh, we also um, invited other pathologists to contribute with samples. And I'm very grateful that they sent us some samples because as I mentioned, these uh, tumors are really rare. So uh, we collected uh, nine cases of uh, adenoid ameloblastomas and we investigated uh, beta-catenin exon-3 mutations by using Sanger sequencing and 40% of these cases show the mutations.
2: So we'll come to the results in a second. So let me. Okay, let me, sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. It's just uh, because before, uh, with my old age, I forget the question by the t- if, if I don't ask it fast. So very interesting. I, I, the comment I wanted to make is is I love that that a morphologic feature pretty much guided you to zoom in on beta catenin, uh, and, and there is uh, the rest of the story you're going to tell us in a second, which is a little surprising too. But uh, but this is the beauty of pathology, just with your own eyes, you can identify what's going on based on the phenotype, potentially predict now that we know certain correlations between phenotype and genotype, where should I be, what should I be looking for so, the, so that it's, to me is just amazing, and, and I love hearing that. Now, but my question is, how come initially, I know you looked for Keras, you looked for BRAF, because obvious reason to differentiate from these two entities to see if they share with these other entities in the differential, and you found negative for these two. But how come you didn't find the beta catenin in that study? Can you share with us why? Is it the technique you use, or you didn't? No, did-
0: so in the first moment, uh, we only Sanger sequenced. Bref and K exactly. So that's why uh, I didn't have another target at the moment because I didn't know the the results we were going to find. Correct. So we decided to publish the first uh, results, the negative results. But then, um, then uh, when I was studying a little more about this entity and. I realized that there wasn't much molecular um data on on okay. this tumor, Excellent. so yes. yeah,
2: so so and and, and I, I wanted you to say that answer because it is you were, it's, you don't find when you, when you're going just for a specific target, you either find it or not, as opposed yes. to have used NGS from the beginning probably mm-hmm. the beta catenin would have uh, would have showed up and you could have done everything in one shot, but uh, yes. you got two papers out of it, so this is, <laughs>
0: yes, but uh, this was not uh, the idea you know? it wasn't I, I didn't want to like, to, to split the results and published to no, people. I, it was not the whole idea. Actually, I understand. Yes, actually, um, the final version of the DNA classification of tumors was coming out, and while I was reading it, I, I'm not a co-author of this uh, chapter, but I was reading the molecular pathology data, and I said, oh, this is based on... Um, um, an abstract that was submitted at a meeting, but the paper never came out, and it was it relied only on IHC, you know, the absence of EREF mutation relied on IHC only and in a very small cohort. And so I, I wanted to uh, go on very quickly so that and the paper could be actually included in the <laughs> chapter. To, to, yes, yeah, that, that was the, the real reason why I decided Excellent. to publish it. Quickly.
2: Amazing. Such a young uh, expert uh, trying to change the science and the classifications and prove it. I'm very impressed. And I couldn't be prouder that you're from uh, Brazil. So uh, Yes, that's, that's actually, it. I didn't
0: know you were from Brazil. You never told me.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I guess you see me in Brazil, but you never expected that I... Uh, yes. All right. <laughs>
0: that's good.
2: Uh, <laughs> So, so let's go back. This is too much fun, but let's go back to, to <laughs>
0: paper. Sorry. Now,
2: uh, so what were the findings? Clearly, sounds like okay. you found beta-catenin. So what kind of cha- uh, exon mutations and, and what else did you do?
0: Yes. So uh, we detected uh, beta-catenin mutation uh, at codons 33, 34, and 37. And these mutations occurred in four out of the nine cases. But um, there's an interesting finding is that one of these tumors, uh, we had uh, three different biopsies. One was from the primary tumor and then two different recurrences that were treated as um, adenomatoid odontogenic tumors at the moment. But then the pattern of mutation uh, was the same in the primary and in the two recurrences. So I think that this points to the utility of uh, our findings because if uh, in the first uh, primary tumor, this mutation had been detected, then the tumor would have been treated more aggressively, maybe, and it wouldn't have recurred. Um, Also, in addition to the Sanger sequencing, we further used IHC for beta-catenin, and all of the cases except one showed uh, positive um, staining in the cytoplasm and also in the nuclei. So even those that were wild type for the mutation showed positivity in the IHC, which was somehow unexpected. But uh, it's also an interesting finding. I
2: want to emphasize, nuclear positivity. Yes,
0: yes, nuclear positivity, yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even in the wild type cases. Hmm. So this uh, means that the pathway is activated not only by these mutations. Maybe another mutation that we hadn't uh, been able to detect because we haven't uh, assessed other mutations at beta-catenin or other or other genes in the Wnt pathway. So. Excellent.
2: Excellent. And, uh, and I, uh, I, the other uh, interesting finding is, although your ghost cells were what uh, led you to focus on beta-catenin, not all yes. these cases had ghost cells, right?
0: No, yes. Th- that's an interesting finding. Uh, not all the positive cases for mutation uh, presented in ghost cells, because we have to remember that this is not um, um, essential uh, criteria for diagnosis right this desirable but not essential but yes this is definitely interesting
2: that is amazing and uh so uh what is uh the take on by the way uh you just touched said uh, maybe those who are positive for irc uh, either have other genetic alterations or other mechanism of accumulations of beta yeah. bacteria, right? But uh, you better go ahead and do NGS so nobody beats you to discovering those in those cases. And maybe we can collaborate on that with one of our oral pathologists here. Yeah, and, that would be great. Uh, we'll be happy to run the NGS. And uh, this is my role as a chair. I'm trying to find to our young people some, uh, some research uh, to do too. So, uh, so the take-home message it's a subtype. It's no longer a sub. Shouldn't be a subtype. The WHO got it right. It's an a, an entity <laughs> by its own, right? For a change, not always WHO gets it right. So yeah. that's that's one important. And it sounds like diagnostically, uh, we just should on these difficult cases since they're rare. We we don't have enough expertise. Confirm them with IRC. Is that what you would recommend?
0: Yes, I think that um, the main message is that. Um, based on what is known now, uh, it probably is a different entity, right? Because it has a, not only a different molecular profile, but also um, a different uh, immunohistochemical um, pattern. Um, so this could help in difficult uh, in the diagnosis of difficult cases, right? So I think okay. this is the most important message. I think that the way that um, who classifies a tumor, it can change throughout time, right? But, Absolutely. And also, more information can be incorporated in into this molecular portrait of the tumors. So, um, based on these results, I think we can assume it's um. The, um Entity and not a variant of a stomach as it was considered previously.
2: Correct. Subtype instead of variant, is that yes, so, subtype, yes, yes. Well? And uh, and you're absolutely correct. I was, of course, joking about the WHO, uh, sometimes getting it wrong. It's the idea of the WHO is to go back for the last five years and see how the science evolved. And we know we have to take out some entities, put in some entities. So uh, this is uh, how it works and, and how it's supposed to work. Beautiful images, uh, by the way. I regret that I didn't uh, select that pathway to be a cover. we uh, no. <laughs> have a beautiful uh, pathway, wind signaling pathway illustration that you uh, you put uh, so I refer our audience to it and uh, it's been really a pleasure this is uh, uh, a very uh, clean cut study with significant findings and I congratulate you on on you and your team uh, I wish we had time to mention each one but I noticed that one of your mentors Dr. O'Dell uh, yes. is, must have contributed uh, cases yes. so, uh, but for our audience go uh, and read this uh, beautiful paper and thank you very much Carolina for coming I
0: thank you and I also want to express my gratitude to all my collaborators because I couldn't have done enough these. Insulting, and especially um, Professor Odell, Edio Dale, because he, he contributed uh, a
1: lot. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So long, everyone. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of modern pathology, Springer Nature, UAB, or USCAP. Your ModPath chat host and scientific director is Dr. George Netto. Producers are Christina Crow, Amber Jackson, Dr. Sarah Jang, and Dr. Catherine Ketchum. Technical direction is provided by Kaminsky Productions, music by Mitch Neubauer. Thanks to the authors, reviewers, and editors of Modern Pathology for making this podcast possible.